Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, welcome to this week's Bald Head Bible Podcast. And I'd just like to encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, to please consider supporting us. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you'll see different levels that you can support us at. It isn't much. I'm not trying to get rich off of this or anything like that, but you can support us for the mighty amount of $1 a month. $1 a month, which comes to $12 a year. And what do you get for that? Well, you get access to the Baldhead Bible Podcast after show, Waxing the Dome. It's a 10-minute show where I'll be talking about various things, and I'll probably be, number one, talking about extra content that I wasn't able to get at about the character for this week, and I'll throw in some things that I just ran out of time to talk about and wasn't able to fit in the show, or... Or number two, I'll be interviewing some really cool people, some theological friends I have or pastoral friends I have who can give us some insight on the book or the character we're going through that week. Or finally, I'll just interview some really cool people that are just fun to meet. Or maybe I'll just chat about stuff. But it's just for supporters of the podcast. It's going to be a 10-minute show. Our premiere episode is free, so check it out. Baldhead Bible Podcast After Show, Waxing the Dome. But starting this week, it's only going to be accessible to our supporters. So for a dollar a month, you get access to this 10-minute After Show podcast, which will be a lot of fun. But if you want to go higher... You can support us for $3 a month, and there you get the After Show Waxing the Dome, as well as a sticker. We've created some Bald Head Bible merch, if you'd like to look at it that way, and I will mail you a sticker if you join for $3 per month. And our highest level is $5 a month, and there you get the Bald Head Bible. Bible podcast after show waxing the dome. Plus, secondly, you get a sticker. Plus, thirdly, you get the ability to download a PDF and it'll be a series of questions that you can use to think through the story in the podcast. You could use these questions as a way to have devotions with your family or use it with your Bible study group. And I'll try to throw in, if I can, a little crossword puzzle that maybe your kid and you can fill in as you listen to the podcast. So... You get that if you join at $5 per month. So think about supporting the podcast. You can support us, again, easily for $1 a month. It's called The Buzz Cut. Or you can join us at $3 a month, which is called Shaved. You're getting closer to the bald goodness. And then the highest level, $5 a month. And that's called True Baldy. 
you have reached true bald head Bible perfection. So I'd encourage you to think about it. Um, it costs me some money to put this podcast on, but of course you don't have to join at all and you can just listen to the main podcast, which will always be free. And I want to get the message of the Bible and the excitement of Scripture out there. So do not worry. That will always be free. But if you'd like to think about supporting us, go once again to patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible. Or just go to patreon.com and search baldheadbible. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Bald Head Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. There once was a man named Micah. Now most of the Micahs you know and that I know are good people. I have a friend who's named Micah who's a wonderful person. And the Bible, right? You have the prophet Micah. Micah is a well-known name. Micah means who is Yahweh. It's a powerful name. He's a powerful prophet. But not here. In this story, in Judges 17, we meet a Micah who is messed up. One reason he's messed up is Micah is a thief. Micah steals money. Number two... Micah not only steals money, Micah steals money from his own mom. He steals money from his own parents. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to be a thief. But man, to steal from your own mom, that's just doubly bad. And on top of that, this Micah steals 1,100 pieces of silver. That is a massive amount of money. Later on, Micah is going to offer somebody 10 pieces of silver as a yearly wage. So if you stole 1,100 pieces of silver, that's like 110 years worth of wages. You could retire on that. You could live a good life on that. And he steals it from his own mom. Well, later on, he finds out that his mom puts a curse upon the person who stole the money. But for some reason, that scares Micah. And in Judges chapter 17, it says that he comes to his mom and he says, Hey, mom, you know that 1,100 pieces of silver that was stolen and that you cursed whoever stole it? Well, I'm the one who stole it and I'm giving it back to you. Please take away your curse. Please, please take it away. Now, Micah does right. He gives back the money, right? But I think he gives it back for the wrong reasons. He's afraid of being cursed, essentially. And the mom, when she gets the money back, you know what she does? She goes, yeah! Blessed be you, son. Blessed be you, Micah. The Lord has blessed you. And she uses the name of the Lord. She uses the name of Yahweh. Micah's mom is a Yahwehist. She's worshiping Yahweh. Yay, this is good. Micah's returned the money. Everything's back. She's calling down a blessing from Yahweh upon her son's head. Everything could end their great story. But it doesn't. In fact, it gets weirder and it gets worse. And this story... 
in the book of Judges, chapter 17. In fact, all the stories from chapter 17 to the end of the book are examples of how bad, how apostate Israel had become. Now remember, after Joshua told them to conquer the land, after they had conquered the land, after he said at the beginning, hey, you have got to push these people out of the land. You've got to take your tribal allotment. Do it. You can do it. After he had said this, it says there grew up a generation who did not acknowledge God. They'd heard of God. They'd heard of these great things. They had a basic understanding, but they did not pursue him. They did not try to understand his word. They did not go to the temple as much as they should. And in fact, they didn't push the people out. And they started to incorporate. One of the reasons God wanted them to push the people of Canaan out is because they worshipped other gods. And God said, I know if you don't push them out, you're going to end up worshipping those gods. You're going to end up incorporating their culture into your lifestyle and the way you do things. You've got to push them out. But the people didn't. Well, here in Judges chapter 17 through to the end of the book, we're going to see stories of what happened to these people as examples to us of how not to live. These are people who began to live in apostate ways and began to live away from God, and we should not do this. In fact, this story probably occurred way earlier in the book. It probably occurred during the judgeship of Othniel. So the rest of these stories did not occur chronologically in time after Samson. They occurred some time earlier, and they're examples given to us of what it's like when you choose to do what is right in your own eyes. Well, this is where the story gets weird. Because Micah's mom, she's heard of Yahweh. She acknowledges him. But then she says, here, Micah, take 200 pieces of the silver. That's 20 years worth of wages right there. That's a lot of money. Take 200 pieces of the silver, and I want you to go to the silversmith, and I want you to have him create an image, an idol that we can worship out of silver. And then I want you to have him create another image, an idol out of iron that we can worship. Take that money to him and do that. Yes! No. When Moses came down from the mountain. He gave the people of Israel ten commandments. And the first commandment is, you shall have no other God before me. But the second commandment, the second commandment, it's not that far down the list. The second commandment is this, you shall not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens above, on the earth below, or in the waters beneath. I don't want idols. We are going to be a people of the word. We're going to be a people of the book. You're going to follow me. You're not going to bow down to idols around you. You're not going to create carved images. Micah's mom should have known this if she was worshiping Yahweh. But she was so far removed from understanding the Torah, from understanding the book of Deuteronomy, from understanding what God commanded his people in the Ten Commandments. Yeah, she didn't have her own copy, but she probably grew up in a home that taught her this, but she chose to forget it. 
She could have gone to the priest and listened to his sermons and what he spoke, and he could have spoken truth into her life. She could have gone to the temple, but she's leaving that behind. And remember, she's doing what is right in her own eyes. And one of the first things that messes up when you do that is your worship. We all worship something, right? Whether it's the worship of money, whether it's the worship of self, whether it's the worship of God, we all worship something. And I hope that you are worshiping Jesus. And I hope that you are coming to him with a good understanding of what it means to worship Jesus. Well, here, Micah's mom, she's worshiping Yahweh, which she sort of got right, but then... She's clearly borrowing from the Canaanite religions around her. They worshipped idols. They would build a, a bull to worship and to signify the god Baal. And then they would build these Ashtaroth poles to celebrate and worship the god goddess Ashtaroth. So when Micah took those 200 pieces of silver and went to the silversmith, he probably created this beautiful silver bull and maybe this metal iron pole that worshipped. God. Instead of worshiping Baal and Ashroth, she used it to worship Yahweh. That's good, right? No. She's taken a little bit of Yahweh, a little bit of Canaanite religion, a lot of self, and putting it all together and creating her own religion, her own worship. I want to say a lot of us are doing that today. We have the complete counsel of God. We have the word of God completely here in front of us. We know exactly what God wants out of us. And yes, there's theological debates. And yes, there's how does God want me to live in my context. There's lots of discussion. And that's where you build a community of believers to help us understand what the Bible wants us to live. Because God is using his word with the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us understand his word, to better understand how to live. We've got the whole book. But there's so many churches that call themselves Christian that borrow from the culture and teach stuff that the Bible says is sin, but this church now says is good. And I would encourage you, find a church that preaches and teaches the Bible. What scripture says. And isn't afraid to proclaim the truth of scripture. Because this is the very word of God. Well, Micah's mom is putting this weird religion together and Micah gets caught up in it himself. He creates a shrine. He creates his own shrine. You weren't supposed to do that. You were only supposed to worship God at the temple as a good Jew, not create your own shrine. Well, again, the Canaanite religions around them, they would have their own shrine. And so it says in the shrine, he put the silver idol. He put the metal idol. And then it says he created an ephod. Now, an ephod was a way that people would use to try to divine what their God wanted them to do. It was a way of understanding a yes or no answer. Do you, uh, do you want us to go into battle? Yes, no. Do you want me to marry or do this? Yes, no. This ephod would help this person try to understand what their God wanted them to do. Well, the high priest who worshiped Yahweh, he had an ephod. 
And God created this ephod as a way to communicate to the priest the direction or the choices he wanted his people to make. Well, other religions created their own ephod to ask of their own God. In the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, you know, in Numbers, there were clear commandments on how to use this ephod and how it was to be created. Well, Micah just creates his own. He doesn't have the right to do that, but he does it. And then it says he creates household gods and brings them in. So he's got this beautiful silver idol to Yahweh, another iron idol to Yahweh. Then he's got this ephod, which is some fake way that he's come up with to try to divine what God wants him to do. And then he brings in all these other little household gods that he created. And then he steps back and looks at his shrine and it must have looked beautiful. It was probably a beautiful work of art. And he grabs his son puts his arm around his shoulders and said, Son, I want you to be my priest. And Micah ordains his son to be the priest of this made-up religion that him and his mom just created that's got a little bit of Yahweh in it, but the rest of it is as pagan as can be. Well, that's a weird story. Well, it gets even weirder because now we meet a guy named Jonathan who is a Levite, which basically means he's a priest. See, the tribe of Levi is one of the 12 tribes that make up the nation of Israel, and out of the tribe of Levi comes this long, storied history of the priest. The priests were to come from the tribe of Levi. Well, this Jonathan, he not only comes from the tribe of Levi, which produces the priests, he is the grandson of Moses. Whoa, talk about having a great heritage. Your grandpa was Moses and you're a priest. This is awesome. Not Jonathan. Jonathan leaves Bethlehem of Judah and he heads north. Why? Because he's doing what is right in his own eyes. He wants to live for himself. He wants to make his own way. He doesn't want to get stuck in this normal priesthood and he'd have to wait for a certain amount of time and he only gets paid a certain amount of money. I'm sure he just wants to find his own thing and do his own thing. But the thing is, Jonathan, he studied the scripture. Anybody in this story that I hold fault to is Jonathan. He knew what is right way more than Micah and Micah's mom. He actually studied scripture. Well, he's heading north, and guess who he bumps into? Micah. And when Micah sees him and hears of his background and that this guy is a priest, he's like, all right, you are going to be my priest of my shrine. And Jonathan, instead of tearing down this shrine, instead of informing Micah and his mom, you're worshiping Yahweh, but you're worshiping him in the wrong way. You're worshiping him in a pagan way. You are pursuing other gods. You've got to stop this. Instead of doing that, because he knew what was right, he's like, sure, I'll join in. And Micah says, great, I will pay you 10 pieces of silver a year. Plus, I'm going to give you a change of clothes. This was a lot of money. Here, Jonathan, the grandson of Moses, sells out the proper worship of his God for money. 
and pride and position. Well, this shrine in the hill country of Ephraim starts probably to get a little bit of notice. And maybe people start coming there to worship instead of to the temple. The temple at this time was in Shiloh. And that's where people should have gone. But maybe they started going to Micah's temple and they saw this beautiful silver idol and they worshipped Yahweh and then they worshipped whoever they wanted to. Well, the story gets even worse. So we've met Micah. We've met Micah's mom. We've met Jonathan the priest who is now Micah's priest. Well, now we meet a whole tribe. And that's the tribe of Dan. Now, the tribe of Dan was given an allotment along the Mediterranean coast. But their allotment of land was shrinking by the day. Why? Because the Philistines had invaded along that Mediterranean coast and they were pushing north into Dan's allotment. And not only that, the tribe of Dan had not pushed out the Canaanite tribes that were in it. They had sort of mingled with them and allowed them to exist. And so they were rapidly running out of land because of the Philistines pushing north, because of the Canaanites that they hadn't pushed out who were already there. And the people are like, oh, we need more space, so let's head north. So they send five spies to spy out the land. So the five spies from Dan, they leave the tribal allotment which is sort of south and along the coast and they start to head north and right butted up next to them is this tribe called Ephraim and they come into the hill country and guess who they bump into they bump into Micah one of the first things they notice is that he's got this man working for him who clearly has a accent that's from Judah you know, maybe he sounded southern, I don't know, or maybe he pocked his cot in Harvard Yard. They could tell that he was not an Ephraimite based on his accent. And so they came to Micah and they came to the priest and they said, what is this? Then Micah probably showed him the beautiful silver idol and Jonathan the priest told him about all the supposedly wonderful things that are happening there because, you know, that's the sad thing. You can worship God in the wrong way and great things happen still, right? Satanic influence can make anything bad seem great. Well, these five spies are so moved. They're like, hey, Jonathan. Can you ask God with your ephod whether we're going to have success, whether we're going to find a place where our people can live? Because that's their whole goal is to leave their allotment and migrate north so they can establish a new land, a new city. Will we be successful in that? And so Jonathan cries out to Yahweh, but Yahweh's not listening. I have no clue what God Jonathan was talking to, but it certainly wasn't Yahweh. But he looks inside his ephod and he says, yes, go in peace. You will find success. The Lord Yahweh says so. And the men of Dan go off and they head north. The sad thing is, they're going under an illusion. Jonathan is not speaking for Yahweh. And the men of Dan should have known that. But again, 
This is a generation who did not acknowledge the Lord. This is a generation who did not follow him, who did what was right in their own eyes, and well, they pushed north. And they come and discover a city right at the tippy-top northern part of Israel called Laish. And it says there that this city of Laish was populated by Sidonians. And the Sidonians were this tribe of people that were, I guess, were many miles away from the city of Laish. But it says that the Sidonians lived in peace, lived in prosperity. And the writer of the book of Judges basically paints these people as harmless people who built things and just kept to themselves and were basically doing good. They were totally unsuspecting that this tribe called Dan is about to unload on them. So when these spies see this beautiful city and all this great wealth of the Sidonians and all the peace that they're living in, which they clearly don't have, they go back to the tribe of Dan. And they said, listen, we have found the spot. We have found this city called Laish, and it's full of the Sidonians. We need to push them out anyway. But man, they've got prosperity and wealth and everything is peaceful up there. Let's do it. And so the tribe of Dan leaves their allotment and they gather 600 men of Dan. Now, probably some Danites who were true to Yahweh stayed there, but 600 men... This army, they leave Dan and they start heading north. Now, why they didn't use those 600 men to push back the Philistines or or why they didn't use those 600 men to secure the allotment that God gave them, I don't know. I think because they weren't living by faith. Instead, remember, right, they're living to do what is right in their own eyes. Well, they push north. And as they come through the hill country of Ephraim, guess who they bump into again? Micah and his famous shrine, and this Levite priest called Jonathan. And I think things are growing there. I think things are doing well. Because when the men of Dan get there, they go to the shrine. They see that beautiful silver idol, whatever it looked like. And they stole it. And then they steal this beautiful metal idol. And they take the ephod. They take everything out of the shrine. And Jonathan's like, hey, 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 what are you doing? That's our stuff. You can't steal that. What in the world are you doing? And the men of Dan say, listen. They put their arm around Jonathan's shoulder. They say, listen, either way, we're taking your stuff. But we want to make you an offer. Why don't you come with us? And be our priest. And we'll build a bigger temple and a bigger worship center. And it's going to be awesome. Come with us. Jonathan gets a big smile on his face. And he's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so they start to head north. Well, Micah, he comes to his shrine to worship. And he realizes all his stuff's been taken. That's an expensive idol. And the ephod and all the little gods. This is a cash cow for him probably. Like I said, people from all over the region were probably starting to come there and worship. Micah and Jonathan were sending him down a wrong path. But this was money for him. And so he gathers his friends and his family. And they head out and they catch up with the men of Dan. And they say, hey, give us back our stuff. This isn't right. You took all our things. Bring it back. 
The men of Dan, they pull out their swords. They probably started sharpening them right there in front of Micah. And they basically say to him and his family and the friends who gathered with him, Do you want to mess with us? Do you really want to take us on? You better just let us go. Micah bows his head in shame and says, Yeah, you better go. He knew there was nothing he could do to stop them. All the men of Dan, they leave with Jonathan the priest. And it says they come to Laish. And they put the men of the town and the people of that town to the sword. And they totally wipe them out. And again, the writer of the book of Judges seems to paint these people as peaceful and undeserving of this. Because the Danites just wipe them out and take over the city. And they say, this city will no longer be named Laish. Instead, they come up with a really creative name here. Instead, this is going to be the city of Dan. Woo, great name. And the city of Dan became synonymous with the northernmost point of Israel. People would say from Dan all the way down to the south, the city of Dan became a well-known part of Israel, the northernmost point. But it also became well-known. Why? Because what began to develop in Dan was cultic practices that went against what God wanted. They developed this worship center where people would become ensnared and worship this form of Yahweh, which was not true Yahweh. And they were deceived and they began to worship other gods in this cultic worship center in the northernmost part of Israel called Dan. And it was a huge snare in the life of Israel. And it became a huge problem. And again, it says the people did what was right in their own eyes. In Judges 17, verse 6, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 18, verse 1, in those days there was no king in Israel, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. They just did what they wanted to do. But you know what was interesting to me? Is that 18 verse 1, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. And then later on, in, earlier in Judges 17 verse 6, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The writer of Judges is previewing what's to come. Later on, we're going to meet King Saul. And later on, we're going to meet King David. And later on, we're going to meet King Solomon. These were great kings who led the people of Israel to do right. But the writer of Judges is saying, in these days, there was no king to help lead the people. And people just did what was right in their own eyes. But the thing is, there was a king. The people were just ignoring him. There was a king. Because in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, it says this, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 6, But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. 
the way God had set up Israel was that there was going to be no human king who was going to tax his people and take money from his people and then build this great army out of his people and basically use and abuse his people. There was going to be no human king that could fail out of flesh and sin. No, I'm going to be your king, Yahweh said. I'm going to be your king and you'll be to me, my people, a holy nation. A kingdom of priests, that's what you'll be to me. That's how God set it up. There was a king, but the people acted like there wasn't. And because of that, they just did what was right in their own eyes. This first story just gives us a great example of what it's like when you reject King Jesus in your life. When you say, I'm not going to have Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm not going to let him have control in my life. No, I'm going to worship me. I'm going to worship my truth. You know, you do you. Speak your truth. I'm going to pursue self, pursue me, do what I want to do, because that's what matters. No, the Bible says if you're going to live biblically, 1 Corinthians 10.31, do all to the glory of of God. You've got to have a biblical worldview. You've got to study the scriptures. You've got to know what is it that the Lord wants me to live. How does he want me to live? It's right here in the Bible and I've got to study this and know it. But the culture around you saying live for yourself, do your own thing. Don't listen to what the Bible says. No, you've got to pursue yourself. The book of Judges screams out to us, do not do that. It ends up bad. It ends up very, very bad. I pray today that we will choose to follow the Lord. And one of the things we need to do is to get saved. And then once we're saved, the Holy Spirit will be inside of us. And then let's become people of the book study it and know it and live it thank you for listening to bald head bible podcast if you have any questions or comments we would love to hear from you you can comment on our facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com if you would like to support this podcast please check out our patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.